What's up? What's up? What is up? It's another week of the Ball Hawk Sports Talk with your boy B Brown ESQ, aka the Ball Hawk, aka the Mouth of South, aka Mr. Excessive Celebration, aka Breezy, here with the crew. And you know, in a second, we're going to introduce them. But like we do every week, we start off just to give you a glimpse into how we're going to break down sports business and entertainment this week. This week's episode is entitled Las Vegas Nights. And we got that title because if you will notice, for the first time in three years, uh, the transformation from live radio to podcast to we've done it in so many different capacities. But last week was the first time on a Friday we did not have a ball hog sports talk because of Las Vegas nights. I went out to Las Vegas and had a very, very, very long night that turned into a long morning. And the crew was ready and we were about to record. And then the uh, libations that I had just consumed told me maybe we should wait till next week. But we have two weeks worth of action-packed sports business entertainment. The Ball Hawk Sports Talk, if you've never seen us before, welcome to the groove. It's where ballers and bosses get together to discuss sports business and entertainment. We only do it one way, rough, rugged, and raw. So fasten your seat, belt. It's Las Vegas Nights. Let's go. Wake up, wake up, wake up. And stay woke, because this is the Ball Hog Sports Talk with your boy, B. Brown, ESQ, a.k.a. the Ball Hog, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South. This is the place where sports, business, and entertainment collide. And we're going to give it to you rough, rugged, and raw, so come get you a spoonful, like some grits with butter and salt. You know how we do it in the South, y'all. Make sure you do not get caught in your feelings. Strap on your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Come on, let's go. go, 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 go. What's up, what's up, y'all? Hey, man, we are a week removed. We didn't do a ball hog sports talk last week because these doggone Las Vegas nights, and we got some making up to do because the people want to know. I mean, hundreds and thousands of people, maybe not, but a few people did hit me up. Say, man, tens why y'all of, ain't tens of people. Ten, tens of people. We're going to get to the point with hundreds and thousands. One, ones of my friends. Ones of your friends. <laughs> my mom asked me. <laughs> So you see, I'm dressed like a Las Vegas night, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm the type of or, dude, or, 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 of or, or pastor, or pimp. I know. <laughs> you got a few other A man of leisure. But a man of leisure. <laughs> well, for me, it's a Las Vegas night. You seen or the type a, of dude. A spy from the 20s. Spy from, so I could be all of that. Because oh, in nice. Las Vegas, you get to take on whatever personality Shiggy you from want. The pimp. <laughs> I, I am one of those people. Shall I go on? <laughs> please do. Please do. Because I, I embraced all of those personalities. I walked through the streets of Las Vegas. I had my dog on sports coat on, and I was feeling yeah, I it. Fear no evil. Fear no evil. <laughs> but the libations turned into uh, an impediment when it came to the show. So to all of the hundreds of thousands or tens and ones or whatever people that missed us last week, we back, baby. And this is going to be a Las Vegas night. Uh, right. I, I'm just curious, when to Vegas or outside of Vegas, whenever you gamble, whatever it might be, what's your game? I'll start with you, Big Flow Show. What's your game and what's your approach? I'm kind of a blackjack guy. You know, I like to go in there. I like to sit in, in the uh, third base. I like to sit the last place. So if there's idiots that bet in front of me, I can mm -hmm. see their decisions. 
before I decide to double down or split to see a person that doesn't want to hit an 11 mm -hmm. uh, because they're scared. They got they had a dream last night or something like that. Because, you know, blackjack people got to play by the rules. And if they, they get too far outside, they mess the whole table up at the boo-boo. So I like to be last so I can see how the goofuses are before me. All right. I like that approach, goofuses. man. I like that approach. Sounds very um, productive, shall I say, Mr. Blackjack. Anything that you would add to that ETP? What's the game that you play and what's the approach that you take to make sure that you come out with that payola, that cash? How do you put money in your pocket when you're in Vegas or when you have a Vegas night and you're just gambling? What do you do and what do you so play? Money, money hardly never goes in my pockets in Vegas, but I try, you know, the, the longest I can enjoy the money in my pocket is probably when I play three-card poker. Okay. Um, but... I like watching. I like watching craps because it looks like a lot's going on, but it also looks like a group like calculus problem. I don't. I have no idea what's happening, but it looks like a lot of fun, and there's a lot of people involved. But I stick to three card poker. It allows me to get my few free drinks in. That, there you, you go. Know, empty my pockets before nil. Before we could make money legally. Um, hold on. Let me make sure I reflect. Make sure I ain't snitching. I ain't gonna be dry snitching. No, I could say this. We used to get per diem. That $20 per diem, that was legal. Um, we were abiding by the NCAA standards. Uh, but the guys used to take their little $20 and they would play craps. And then you'd have people side betting on six, eight, ten, four, little Joe, everybody with the little side bets. And you would think that it would be a spirited game between brothers. It always ended in a fight. It always, it was a, you basically guaranteed a fight was going to happen. Someone going to be mad. Yeah, I ain't throwing you the ball tomorrow because you took all my money. And yet we did this before games. Uh, and had fun and called it a brotherhood. Some friendships, I think, came out of those those gambling nights. But in 1997, I'm going to give the whole ball hog sports talk world a, a glimpse into my world. 1997, we played in the Weed Eater Poland, po Weed Eater Poland, whatever it was called, whatever bowl that was, uh, in Shreveport. What bowl is that? That's the um, game. Tax Slayer? Tax Slayer. I don't remember what the name was. That just shows you how much of a great bowl experience it was. But they had or how old you are, or <laughs> Jack in the Box bowl or something. Oh. Jack in the Box. Now it was the uh, uh, I can't think of the name of the bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. That's how bad it was. I mean, you compare that to Orange, but some other experiences, and it was a bad experience in Notre Dame. It was a down year, Bob Davies. So we go in there because it's a down year. They allow you. First time I found this out, man. On a gambling boat, they allow you to cash your check at the doggone casino. I saw this cashier thing. It was talking to me, man. I had that bowl check. You know, this is before name, image, and likeness. So you used to get paid on the mileage. And of course, I was driving from um, San Francisco. Uh, so I got the mileage paid to me and cashed that check right there in Shreveport, Louisiana, man. I walked away with absolutely nothing. I remember the last few dollars I got down to the slots and I prayed and I said, God, you make you just pay me this time. I'll never do this again. I had a terrible week of practice, a terrible game, and a cold bowl game, and I lost all my money. And since 1997, I ain't gambled yet. So I love – I ain't gambled since that day. I love hearing all y'all approaching. What's the Bobby Brown do in, in Las Vegas then? Say, oh, what do I do in Vegas? I mean, I dress up, baby. You know what I'm okay. saying? I dress up and walk okay. around. I'm the man next to the man losing all the money. But all my all my partners had these, these elaborate schemes of how they was going to win money, man. Each one of them walked back to me with, yeah, no, nah, I didn't work this time. Uh, so the house always wins. But in this particular day, 
Ball Hawk Sports Talk. The house don't win, baby, because we about to gamble. We're going to talk about some big bets. We're going to talk about some Vegas nights. We're going to talk about some situations in sports business entertainment. Fasten up your seatbelt, because here we go. Let's hop in with topic number one. That transitions pretty well. Mr. Calvin Ridley, uh, on this particular day, on this particular episode of Ball Hawk Sports Talk, Las Vegas nights, how dare we not start with Calvin Ridley, because Calvin Ridley has been suspended for an entire season. He's going to lose 17 games approximately 11 million dollars in compensation yes. um because he bet <clears throat> the parlay which included the atlanta falcons now he wasn't playing in that particular game for the atlanta falcons but he, he that is the team he plays for and uh, the nfl has decided to punish him by taking entire season away from him 11 million dollars and i ask you is it fair because in a space that you probably could you could play a fantasy you play a fantasy team a fantasy league that costs money that you're betting on your team or players on your team. He didn't have any insider knowledge that would put him in a, at an advantageous position over you other can, people who he's betting against. As part of, as part of the collective bargaining agreement, you can play uh pay to play fantasy football. I don't know. I just made that up. Maybe no. you're, I, I assume you can, how are they going to stop you from playing fantasy football? First of all, how are they going to know the same way they, take away a season for spending $1,500. So you think So you think it's unfair? I think that, that, that technically, I mean, the Pete Rose approach to no gambling whatsoever in the sport is going to be a little tougher to enforce these days because, you know, gambling is a lot more commonplace. It has right. been legalized in states where it was very, it, it was a strict approach to, to, to sports betting uh, back when, when Pete right. Rose gamble right and they're they're sponsoring the nfl now they're sponsoring the (laughs) nfl you turn on any television and you look at a commercial for more than six seven minutes and you're going to find something whether it be uh you know holly berry there's so many different celebrities that are now putting their name and endorsing being spokespeople for uh sports betting you know and and so I, i don't know how you enforce it but yet this seems like the most drastic enforcement the man's gonna lose a whole year um with a, a career that was probably on the tail end of it anyway potentially lose his career over a parlay how much money was it 1500 bucks it was uh, three, three 11 million for 1500 and i'm not a mathematician but that doesn't seem like a good trade to me i hope the parlay hit <laughs> i hope he hit the parlay but even so, if that, he so he's only down 10 million nine hundred and ninety thousand dollars if right. he hit so the parlay I, me, I feel like you should be able to bet for your on your team to win like what's the ultimate cat competitive there was a famous boxer who bet i can't remember what it was he bet uh the guy with the teeth the 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 x-men spinks no, he came out. That's who I thought. You say teeth. teeth. I think that of the person stupid. with no like, teeth. That's like saying hockey dude with no teeth. Yeah. So the guy, he was in prison. He came back. He used to wear that thing over his face with the X. Uh, well, I have no idea what you're talking about. Go ahead. Go ahead. Middleweight guy. He fought like De La Hoya, those type of guys. Anyway, he, he came and he had a, a, a bet tattoo, temporary tattoo on his back. And he bet all their money that they were going to pay him on himself to win the fight. And I love that. Like, I'm so confident I'm gonna win. You talking about my boy from Philly? You talking about yeah, Hopkins? Hopkins? Bernard Hopkins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, Bernard Hopkins. His teeth are dragged up. Anyway, so (laughs) he bet all of his money that they paid him for the endorsement on himself to win, and he was an underdog. I love that. I I mean, you know, 
Why Babe is that Ruth calling a shot? Babe Ruth will call the shot, right? But people calling a shot is sort of a bet on yourself, but it's not a financial bet. Um, I I don't think you should lose a year, especially so, in a league that, it, that, that my challenge is Calvin really is going to lose an entire year of his career and the compensation that goes there with. But you have people that are throwing women through walls, punching them dead in the face, that are driving you know, crazy speed limits under the intox under under the influence or being of being intoxicated, and they lose maybe two games, three games, four games, an entire game, seventeen games seems a bit extreme. Yeah, I I agree. I I think the the punishment is definitely extreme. That being said, it was a really stupid move. If you know you're not supposed to be gambling. How how easy is it to place a bet without putting your name on it, right? Easy. You call your man, you call your assistant, you call your chef, whoever you know. I think, making, they, I think I don't think he put his name on it, but they were able. To it was on it. his own phone. It was his phone. He That's made how he the got bet. caught with a right. deal with their marketing deal. But they, they had, I mean, they they said the that there was that they would do some stuff to make sure that there were people weren't participating, and they just finally said, uh, "Are you the same Calvin Ridley that uh, played for the Falcons?" Mr. Ridley? Yes, that's me. All right, 1500 At All least right, so suspended for stupidity then. Stupidity. His was stupidity. Yeah, but... That's still extreme, man. I think that there's, there's... Go ahead. Go ahead. Extremely stupid. No. No, I think, I mean, I think the punishment is extreme. I think, it, you know, the policy is the policy. If he, you know, find him, you know, 10 times what he bet. Or if, I mean, especially if it, he wasn't playing, he bet on his team to win. You know, just everything about it does not... It's just, it's just a really terrible scapegoat example like if the idea is the nfl wants to use him to be you know the you know beacon of morality and show that they are zero tolerance like there's plenty of examples that we have and this one is too extreme you know the same league where you know the first thing i thought about was albert hainsworth when he played for the tennessee titans stepping on a guy's face in the game yeah, with like on his face, and yeah, he had to get you know whole scalp. Yeah. an innumerable innumerable amount of stitches, and he did like five games. That man, sh- and then he signed one of the biggest contracts in the history of the sport after the after the suspension. I mean, and there's so many players within the game that played dirty, and and, and Dominican Sue comes to mind. He got paid twice after some of his um, less than sportsmanlike behavior. So yeah, I mean, uh, but but. Those those acts to me are a lot less bothersome than dudes beating on women and still being. I mean, like I said, like I was about to say that they they uh, NFL time and time again shows you what they value. I mean, uh, Michael Vick with dogs, you know, banned for years, and you know he's in jail. They don't want it there, whatever. But dudes beat the hell out of their girl, and they're back by the playoffs, right? Like women should. You can't blame him for picketing and being mad at the NFL. It's like the least offensive crime is to uh, to hit your wife out of everything else. You gamble, you're out of here. You take a knee, you're out of here. You mess with the dog, you're out of here. Hit your girl, ah, shit happens. Right. Right. You know? Uh, sad but true. I do think that that was very dumb of Calvin Ridley, but worth 17 games, I don't know. Let's hop into another topic. Same, same concept, right? We got Vegas nights. So we're thinking about the big bets this week. We're thinking about your approach to uh, how you uh, how you gamble. 
And this week in sports business entertainment, there have been some interesting approaches. And we, we got to see last night, whether it was foreshadowing, I don't know. But we got to see a marquee matchup in the NBA. We got to see the Brooklyn Nets travel to the 76ers. And the reason I make sure I'm explicit that the Nets got to travel to uh, Philadelphia to play the 76ers is because that means a certain someone by the name of Kyrie Irving, because it's an away game, uh, is allowed to play. So we got to see a Kyrie and KD lineup of the Brooklyn Nets face the 76ers with Joel Embiid, and the beard, James Harden. And the atmosphere uh, on the court was electric, but even before the game, because Ben Simmons, who was involved in the trade, who we know notoriously did not work out in Philadelphia, who the fans uh, have been pretty tough on. Philadelphia fans are tough on everybody, but Ben Simmons ranks up there. They were pretty tough on Ben Simmons, so much so that he had mental health issues related to his time in, in Philadelphia, um according to to him and, and his medical staff um so you knew going into last night that it was going to be a playoff like atmosphere you knew going into last night there are going to be storylines related to ben simmons and how the, the philadelphia fans treated him you knew all these things going in and yet it still didn't disappoint ben simmons was booed at the hotel they didn't even <laughs> wait to the game they, they booed him at the hotel. You know how trifling and petty you got to be to boo a man at the hotel? Like, what did I do? I, I checked in just wrong? To boo him? It, you got to figure out which hotel. neighborhood, or did you, like, take the train or the bus to get there? Right. What time we meet? Uh, you you got to be real there. petty for that, man. And so shout out to Philadelphia fans, because they on the top list of petty, and they wanted Ben Simmons to know, nah, you're going to take this heat, boss. Uh, but the Nets... When it came to the basketball, when it came to on-court performances, uh, the Nets seemed to have won the bet when it came to the trade. Now, it's a very small sample size. It's only one game, right? In a series, you got you got to get to four. So they, they, they would only be 25% of the way there in terms of winning a series versus the 76ers. But to be on, uh, on, on the national, international stage with all the pressure building, with all eyes on Brooklyn, and Philadelphia, the Brooklyn Nets showed up and showed out. At no point did it look like the Philadelphia 76ers had a chance against them. Joel, M- Joel Embiid looked average. Uh, James Harden looked like playoff James. Game seven James. He didn't do much. He was shy on taking shots. He was turnover happy. He reminded me a lot of, hmm, shall I say, Ben Simmons in his last outing for the 76ers. And so now here we are. Again, it was a very small sample size, but they beat them by 30. They had them beat by 30 pretty much the whole game. Where does this fit in the whole calculus of trying to analyze this bet, trying to analyze who got the best of the trade, trying to analyze going forward who's going to win this bet? Ben Simmons was still on the sideline. Still on the sideline. You know, you know, it's not like he played, but he was there looking dapper, all you know, looking real good, man. Like I'm a big fan <clears> of fashion, <throat> but if you ain't played, bro, like you need to come in some 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 messed up sweats with a holy t-shirt. Let everybody know you're trying to get back. I don't I'm I don't care about your fashion choice to come in a wheelchair if you say you're injured. Straight up, man. <laughs> what did you guys see last night that tells us a bigger story about the, the bets that both organizations took? The 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. 
gambled on this decision. And we, we there will be a winner and a loser. We all tried to say at the end of it, both teams won, and it, is, it sounded real good. But last night, we got our first bite of the apple. And, and let's get away from the politically correct. Both teams got better. Both teams could, couldn't win, right? That's what a trade is. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose in a trade. And, and if even if it's just marginally and fractionally better, one team is going to be better off because of the trade. What did we see from last night that gives us any indication of, of who that will be? I mean, it's easy the Nets, right? Can't even. It's not really much of a conversation. You win by thirty, and the and the true gem of what you got in the trade is still not even there yet. You got Harden out there. He lost the weight. He thought he was ready to go. He's so happy. Uh, you know, now that he's away from from the Nets, he always wanted to be a Philly. He's where where he's supposed to be. <clears throat> you could get up for the occasion at home. That's scary. Thirty points. Yeesh. And Ben Simmons is still out there. Ben Simmons on the sideline chilling, wearing his Louis Vuitton. Um, yeah. You know, what What did you see, ETP? Because, look, look, I, I said it too, man. Both teams got better. Sometimes we say some stuff, man, yeah. it just, you know, because it sounds good. We say it. But we yeah. were lying. Both teams I, didn't get better. I never said that. <laughs> so, the, the, the Drew gem of that trade, like I said, was Seth Curry. Like, Joe Harris is out. For the Nets for the season, they got a sharpshooter in Seth Curry. He scored 24 last night. That's a game changer, right? And, right. I mean, Ben Simmons coming into the mix, sure, it'll be good. I mean, Harden, Harden, I'm not surprised, right? Like, he needs to prove the same way like LeBron in the first half of his career. Everybody was questioning, you know, his clutch gene and does he show up? Right. Like Harden has truly proven that in big stage moments, he can't really – uh, he can't really achieve it. So that piece for me is is big. I mean, the other part of it is Ben Simmons, you know, getting booed, but that's what happens. That's what they that's what you're gonna expect of everything. But I think the main thing is, you know, Harden on a night where he shot three for 17, three of those were three pointers. All of his <laughs> made shots were three pointers and he passed Reggie Miller as third all-time three point uh three points made, which was a very different reaction when Steph Curry passed Reggie Miller. It looked like he was wearing a jersey that said Harden third, you know, third best or third all-time shooter. It looked like he lost a bet. Reggie Miller, it's like this whole list is questionable now that James Harden is in the top three. And so <laughs> that's the that's the that's the story that nobody's really talking about, but to, I, to think that James Harden is already in the top three of all three-pointers made just shows you how much the game has changed. I think it's just proof that all money ain't good money. That's you, <clears throat> you can just sit out there and shoot the three all you want. You've never done anything. You've never accomplished anything. You and Westbrook, Westbrook are you know, the king of stats. They can't win nothing. They will never win anything. So uh it might be for it might be foreshadowing too. I think if the 76ers make a uh, excuse me, the, the Nets make a run. I think the, the 76ers are pretty solid at three. But the Nets could very well make a run and get to the sixth seed. And if that's the case, we could be seeing the same matchup again in the first round. As a Miami Heat fan, watching Brooklyn last night, there is no way I want no parts of that. I don't want no parts of Debo. Leave that alone in the first round. Like, at least give it some time, let it air out. Maybe somebody can get you know, have fatigue or, you know, a little nicks and knacks and, and you're playing 
uh, a beast that isn't at full strength. At full strength, you know, and they weren't even at full strength. They were at 90%. Uh, to be determined just how big of a piece Ben Simmons will be, but you know defensively they get longer. They, they, they're, they're able to uh, defend better with Ben Simmons on the court. And, you know, offensively, he, he's a facilitator first. So with that, you know, you know, even Dragic, Dragic at some point, you know, it goes to the, the cup, he goes, gets up in the air and finds a wide open Kevin Durant. And I'm sitting there looking like, you know, Dragic wasn't a perennial all-star, but he had like all-star seasons. Like Dragic is a player, you know, as a Miami Heat fan, he has some good seasons in Miami too. And to, to, to be able to do that and throw to a wide open Kevin Durant felt unfair. I'm looking at it like, yo, that's just not right. But that's what the Nets can be. They are a juggernaut that I don't think any, any team would want to see early in the playoffs because it could mean you're gone fishing early. Yeah. Uh, and it seems as though if they can go on a run, I think they've got a total of five more away games. So you're going to see Kyrie five more times. What, since, since we had a Vegas night and had a week off, what we didn't discuss is Kyrie's had a 50-point game since yeah. our last show. A 50-point game. Well, that's the thing that'll be interesting. <laughs> like, I mean, Kyrie is a – he control he influences and controls the game even off the stat sheet, like off the stat sheet. But when he drops 50, but everything goes through him. So it'll be interesting how – you know, if Ben Simmons is actually facilitating the offense, how does Kyrie? Kyrie's never really played off the ball, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they make that work. Yeah, that that will be. Uh, Kyrie played a little off the ball in Cleveland, but you're right. Primarily, Kyrie is he puts pressure on your defense by having the ball in his hand coming downhill. Um, I, I, I I'm looking forward to seeing it. Not as a Miami Heat fan. As a Miami Heat fan, I don't want to see that. Not not playing against it. I want to watch it as a fan observing the game of basketball because I think it could it could be brilliant basketball. You mentioned somebody in in your response, Big Flow Show, and you you mentioned them by the moniker of Westbrook. So let's get to that because Westbrook is tired of hearing people Who's say that? Westbrook. Who's Westbrook? You don't even know who Westbrook is. I know a guy named Westbrook to play for the Lakers. There's a, there's a Westbrook I got two. There's, a, there's a Westbrook. Who says put some respect play? on my name? He said put some respect on my name. Uh, he's challenging people like you that are changing his last name to Westbrook. He is is recorded in an exchange with the fan, which isn't anything abnormal because he does that. But he, he's talking about you're gonna put some respect on my name. Basically, he has gone public saying that his 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 wife and his kids. He is discouraging from coming to games now because you know he doesn't want that last name Westbrook to be uh, soiled by the fans. And it has gone so far as is his wife not having an exchange with Skip Bayless. And uh, what do we, is this, is this a lot to do about nothing or is it, does he have a point? Because I mean, look, no. you call him Westbrook. Does he have a point? No, you get paid millions of dollars to do something, put the ball in the basket, play some defense, have some highlights. If you don't do that well, people are going to say mean things to you. Get over it. He said it a while ago. He's rich. He doesn't care what people think. He said that earlier this season. So what's changed? Now you can't take it? We should stop. But, but now he's not talking about him personally. Just to, to to play the defense attorney here, he talked about his family 
being impacted by that because they are not being paid millions of dollars to put a ball in the hole and make plays and receive criticism. The family's not being being paid to do that. Only one person in the family is. So what his statement was more about uh, the impact and the implications of those uh, comments um, being being hurled at, hurled at him largely by LA Lakers fans. Let's be fair. It is his own fans, the Lakers fans. But they're saying it in a public forum where his kids are within earshot and his wife is going to naturally defend her husband. And now he's saying that that's presenting uh, a confrontation such that he thinks might be dangerous or, you know, uh, embarrassing or, or even, you know, deflating for his kids and, and, and his wife. So what I is coming out of the public going to say? You'll make everybody stop? Everybody stop it. Yeah, I, don't I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just two, asking, does he have a point? I think there's two levels to it, right? Like death, death threats and, you know, personal, like true personal attacks on family members, etc. Like, yeah, that 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 might be crossing some lines right like but that's the history of how sport like if you want people to cheer for you then you have to accept that people are going to boo for you and if he's really worried about people disrespecting his family name then he should increase his field goal percentage because he's making himself he's making his whole family look bad right now very good song for that shoot better (laughs) right uh i guess let's let's not make it about westbrook specifically do celebrities, sports stars, do they have a, a gripe, an axe to grind when it comes to things like that? Because he's not the first celebrity or first you know, basketball star that's had his name manipulated a bit to reflect the poorest play on the court. Um, and his family's not the first family that has, that's had to endure uh, the, the slander. Um, is there a limit? You know, and, and you said it, a big flow show, we were talking about LeBron. I guess one of the fans said something about, you know, hope his kid dies in a car accident. And you're like, that's where the line should be drawn. But but, but where where is the line drawn? Because for you, that was offensive. Yeah. Right? Um, and for Westbrook, he's saying, hearing his last name pronounced Westbrook instead of Westbrook is equally offensive. So so where is the line Just, drawn? Just that's like the French pronunciation. That's all that is. Like Westbrook. <laughs> I think he's Haitian too. Is he Haitian? <laughs> <Without claiming. clears throat> uh, I mean, I see what you're saying. You're gonna get mad, but I guess it, like there's death threats. Are there really death threats? Have we ever heard anyone killed family killed because they didn't play well in the NBA history? I mean, look, or, if Jackie Robinson's family's still alive, you gotta kind of I mean, you take be. death threats for what they are. I think when you're in a game, so my point, point the difference here is you're in a game and somebody's on the sidelines, they're saying some bad stuff, and LeBron says kick him out. All right, he'll get it right. I think if somebody gets his kid's face or, or his wife's face when they're walking around through the thing, if somebody's security hears it, you know, they'll probably deal with it. For him to come out publicly and say it's getting bad and, and they're thinking about not coming to the game, it's like, what do, you, what do you want to happen from that? Do you want to ban the fans? Like, what do you want to do? You can't stop it unless it's, you know, individual basis. You can try to do something about it. What, what are you going to do? The so, connection here, loose, loose connection, but I'm going to make it anyway. Ben Simmons uh and the booing that happened in philadelphia yeah and the mental health issues that he has subsequent to that um directly connected or not i don't know i'm not his health professional um but it seems as though in in 2022 when mental health and its role in sports has garnered a lot of attention and taken on a whole different level of um concern 
than care. It seems as though he is sort of putting the, the onus back on us and saying that you could impact my son and my, my, my wife's mental health by, you, you know, sort of this 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 childish behavior of calling him Westbrook. Is is that fair? Because look, when it comes I, to the athlete, I give it to you on the I athlete, think if you're you directing anything at the family, anything at the people that are not the ones, you know, being paid to perform, then yeah, it's it's questionable. Is right? it Westbrook doing sometimes that? sometimes the family will be in the stands going back at the at the fans too, right? Like so if we have to draw that line, then it's like, okay, then there's no communication, there's no there's no family section, there's no you know, there's no connection between, you know, you draw the line between fans and family or fa- fans and associates of the players. But if you're all going to participate in that, obviously there's a potential. Every individual is going to operate differently. Everybody thinks cheering and booing have very different complexions. I was in, I went to a, a football game at Giant Stadium with my son who was probably 11 years old at the time, maybe 10. And we had on Patriots jerseys, Patriots jets. That's the story just got messed up. <laughs> and we walk and we're walking and grown men look at us <laughs> and say, fuck you. While my son is right there. Like that shit's out of line. <laughs> you gotta learn sometimes. <laughs> but at the same time, that's how people treat sports. And how, right? and how did you handle that? I, I gotta be honest, man. That's why I don't really do the whole wear jerseys to games. I wear colors or something because I'm I'm from the um, let's throw hands,ville section of Fort Lauderdale. Try I'm Jesus, not, but I'm, don't try me. I'm not. I ain't rocking like that, man. Like I don't. First of all, profanity. I don't want my son learning profanity from you, uh, beer gut Billy, who happens to be a Jets fan. Like I would rather I, you know, introduce profanity in a way that I can, I can, I can, <laughs> you know, control it as a. He parent. hears enough about how you talk to his mama. He don't need to hear anybody <laughs> right. on the street say <laughs> his first F you supposed to be in the middle of her telling me to do the dishes. But but nah, I would have a I would have an issue with that. How did you handle it? Like I, I got I mean, I just I, 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 it's just I mean one, it's you just I just deflected it. It was just like, look, don't do that. I'm here with my kid and just keep it moving. And like that was it, you know. Because otherwise, you engage it, it could go all type. Like you're, to your point, it could go all types of ways. It can escalate to a point where at the end of the day, nobody's paying me to wear that <laughs> wear that jersey. I paid right. to wear that jersey. I'm not my livelihood is not dependent on how I represent this this brand of an organization, right? right. So God I don't take sports that seriously. I think, seriously. You, I think you hit it right do. though. You said, hey, look, come, hey, look, let's stop that. I want my kid, please. You know, like more of a compassionate, like you know, like being an adult. I think Westbrook, it's all about what does he expect, right? So when you get out, you can play to say, you know, this is terrible. You know, like my parent, my kids can't come to the game, people are doing this. That's not going to get the reaction. I think if he should come out there and say, hey, guys, you know what? I know some of you guys aren't happy, passionate. You know, hey, boo me. Say whatever you want to say to me. Please leave my family alone. If you do it more of a compassionate way, people might do something different. He said like, that. He said that. He was like, leave. He's like, look, man. And he said it. He said the teacher in school talked about just how proud his son is of the name Westbrook, how he writes it everywhere. And he did try to lay it out from a compassionate standpoint. He's like, so for my son to come to the the, uh, arena and hear them manipulate the last name to Westbrook, 
I don't want him in that situation because that's what you dream of is your child to be proud of his name. And he did. He tried to make it compassionate. He did. All right. So I caught the cliff notes where it was like, you know, it's getting so bad. You know, it's more of a complaint. Sam, at the end of the day, what they going to do? You got me it's, all that it's money? Part, it's, Buy a the, box. It's, it's part of the job. Like, Buy a box. there are some things that are just going to be part of this job. That's you part of the job. Box. Wear headphones in the box. Do all that. He gets too uh, much money for me to really trip. So, so, so that's more of the name calling. But there has been more substantive discussion too. Uh, there's a man by the name of let me think of this guy's name. His name is uh, Magic Irvin Magic Johnson, and I think this particular man, baseball player, uh, he's he's pretty prominent in Lakerville. He's pretty he's pretty prominent in Lakerville. Would you say this guy Irvin Magic Johnson? Pretty prominent. Couple well, people well, this gentleman by the name of Irvin Irvin Magic Johnson says that if the Lakers fail to make the playoffs, the Russell Westbrook trade will be, and I quote, the worst trade in history. So outside of the name calling, here's something more substantive. This particular gentleman also at one point had an executive role in the L.A. Lakers uh, organization. Does not anymore, but he was a part of the decision maker. So to hear this particular gentleman with so much prominence in Lakerville, with with so much cachet in terms of of business dealings, uh, sports related and non-sports related, but to make a sports related statement about the sports business. Y'all know what this is. This is where sports business and entertainment collide. To hear him say that this would be, they don't make the playoffs, the worst trade in Laker history. Do you agree? That's a lot. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. I, I mean, I, I can't think of the only other, the only other big trade and i don't even know that it was a trade it was Shaq, right like that wasn't even a trade i don't like what the lakers don't when make, he went to miami that was the that was no the, when the, when he went that was the worst when he went when he came to la oh god from orlando all right all right i was gonna say when he went to miami that's what the the, the clouds parted and there was a heavenly light that blowed down on that man. And he knew he was going to go win him a championship. Uh, but I digress. That was my preacher in me. See, the jacket played well in my evangelistic uh, role. But but uh, to hear Magic Johnson say it'd be the worst trade ever. And, and, and I don't think he said NBA history. I think he said Laker history. But the Lakers um, don't make big trades. Like and who do they who do they give up? They gave up. They gave up. Who's they gave, gave up. up Kuzma. Kuzma, Kuzma and Montrez Harrell. Montrez Montrez Harris. So it wasn't like they gave up Herschel Walker. You know, it wasn't like they gave up the, the whole team. It, or was it was just some picks involved? Yes, and trades. Kuzma Kuzma was a young big piece that, that Kuzma people... had to go. He had to go. Kuzma was a liability. It's just funny though. Everybody that leaves it's LA better. gets better. Julius Randle, Alonzo Ball, Julius Kyle Randall Kuzma. got so much better. So I forget <laughs> that he was even with the Lakers. Yeah, he was. He got so drafted much by better. Lakers. Yeah. Um, that was a bit harsh though. When I hear people pile on, that's when I start feeling a little sorry for it. Maybe I don't know, they tug on my harsh streak. But to hear the the arguably the greatest Laker ever on the court, who was I think undeniably the best Laker ever from a business standpoint off the court, make that statement, that's gotta mess with your psyche. It hurts a little bit. If if, if you if you're if you're Westbrook and you hear that. That's got to mess with your psyche a little bit. 
Um, and and the thing that, that throws me off is there's somebody that seems to be absolved from all of this who had a big role in it. LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. He better not speak about LeBron, though. That don't shit. They'll take magics. <laughs> I mean, in the same it's week LeBron had 56, he also turned down what would have been probably the ideal uh, solution in a, in a game against the Rockets, go to the basket. He gets absolved from everything, man. I, and and I, I I was a LeBron James fan for four years. When he wore a Miami Heat jersey, he was my guy, right? I was a fan just like everybody else. Um, but but I'm also I'm also very keen on how hypocritical we are with LeBron. LeBron is the reason that Russell Westbrook, I'll say it properly, Russell Westbrook is in LA. Yet. This entire team is architected by LeBron James. Anthony Davis is in the operating room right now in LA because of LeBron James. Like, that's it. Don't you see? Don't don't you think we kind of absolve him from this? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the trade deadline. He's you know he's all upset at the Lakers management and how nobody made any moves. You've made every move. Every move that was made, you co-signed or you made happen with Westbrook. That wouldn't have happened. They were going to sign DeMar DeRozan, who's a basically an MVP candidate right now. Yeah, he is. Not Instead, he you, you pushed for Russell Westbrook. So nobody's talking about LeBron as the GM because ultimately all of these decisions were made as a result. Like AD, they Even gutted the Nike team Even in his Nike commercial, he tells the younger LeBron how he got to make – he got to take control, right? <laughs> you want to win championships, he's like, all right, we go to the league. I like that commercial. I love that commercial. Cryptocurrency, baby. Is that what it's for? Yeah, crypto.com. Sometimes the best commercials, you don't even know what it's for. Uh, It's imaginary money, baby. (laughs) I wanted to make sure we at least acknowledge, though. LeBron had a big role in it. and LeBron is, you know, I I I think he's sort of hiding from the reality that this is the team you put together. Right? You got, you got. Melo, who deserved an opportunity to be in the NBA. He deserved to be back in the NBA. But playing a prominent role for the L.A. Lakers, who we thought at the beginning of the year were going to be the odds-on favorite to win the Western Conference, I don't know if he deserved that role. Yeah. You got Anthony Davis, who by all accounts was an MVP candidate, but showed you in New Orleans, showed you that you're going to get the best of a bad man sometimes. Very so often. And that sometimes has decreased. <clears throat> the amount of time that, that qualifies and sometimes has decreased every year. And then you got Russell Westbrook, who on paper was a stat stuffer. But we had seen it didn't translate to wins for any of the previous organizations that he had played for. And this is the team that LeBron, because this is where I would compare him to Michael Jordan in the early years of being an executive who made some horrible decisions. Kwame Brown comes to mind. This is where you get the comparison. If we're being honest, LeBron's decision-making is too influenced by his friendships. And that always clouds your ability to come up with a roster that translates to wins. He wants to be everybody's friend. I said that that's been a knock on him, I think, for a while. He cares what people think. And now we see that all his friends, I bet they have a good old time on poker night. On this episode of Las Vegas Nights, I bet they have a good old time on poker night. 
but it's not translating the wins. They yeah, might I, not make it to the playoffs. I don't know. I mean, I guess the question is like, is LeBron, it's almost like, it seems like he's giving up on the legacy of, or trying to cement his legacy as the GOAT through championships. And he's basically decided he's going to check these other boxes because he's not going to beat the, he's not going to catch up to the championship argument. So I'm going to get all, I'm going to get all time points. I think next by next week, he'll have 10,000 assists, 10,000 rebounds, <coughs> 36,000 points career. So he's like, he's working on the legacy part, but at the end of the day, I mean, you got Russell Westbrook. Who's like, look, I got a great family. I don't really care if I win. You got Melo, who's like a wine connoisseur now. You got LeBron, who's starting schools and wants to own a team. Like, it's hard to be hungry when your belly's full, you know. And AD you gotta getting hold... his ankles iced. Yeah, yeah. And AD is, you know, basically homebound or whatever. So, so they they arrive at the the blackjack table and already has his ring, right? So they they arrive at the blackjack jack table already full. So they they good. They don't care one way or another, and it shows. They they aren't approaching it like I gotta win this hand. Yeah. This is the hand that I gotta win, and they should be, because this grouping of players is it. They got a lot of talent. Yeah. Does when they this- started the season, it was like, look how deep they are. Look at all the experience. They talked about them being a little old, but. That aside, you know, it was more of like experience over age. But what we're seeing is that experience is, I mean, they, I think they're just content. Like nobody really loses any sleep about losing a game. Yes or no. They, if they don't make the playoffs, which could very well happen. Now it's looking like more likely that it's going to happen. They're talking about shutting LeBron down for the rest of the season. Not going to happen. He needs the stats. He, he needs the stats, <laughs> fair. But the fact that it's even a point of discussion says this is not a promising situation. So let's let let's take the next step and assume it happens. They don't make the playoffs. Does this count as the biggest black eye ever in LeBron's career to not make the playoffs with two Hall of Famers? He's got two Hall of Famers on his team. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. AD's not on the team. I mean, Melo's a Hall of Famer, but like... Oh, (laughs) shit. Yeah, damn. Yeah, those are two Hall of Famers. We had three, really, at one point. Jesus. And and that's before I give AD his Hall of Fame, but he's going to be a Hall of Famer, too. For sure. How many other people got to play with three Hall of Famers, man? Magic Jackson? (laughs) They became Hall of Famers in their prime during those years... Were were the reason why they were Hall of Fame? Yeah, but but yeah, but it was also. I mean, you had wasn't there a year you had Shaq, Kobe, Gary Payton, Karl Malone? Like yes. you talk about Hall of Famers, fine, but just because you are going to the Hall of Fame, that team made it to the finals. Hall of Fame ball. No way, did they? Yeah, that team made it to the finals. They came up short, or or they made it to at least they made it far in the playoffs. Maybe we're talking about them not even make the playoffs. That Carl Malone, Gary Payton team was a good team. They just came up short. This is a team that might not make the playoffs. Yeah. They take more teams to the playoffs now. There's a play-in. It's even worse. They won't make the play-in. They won't make the – They. I don't know that they'll have a seed, but they'll at least – they'll definitely be, they'll be in the fine. play-in. They'll be fine. Stand by. They'll stand yeah. by. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know, man. Lakers, I, please come get your ticket for the flight. Right. <laughs> if AD would just come back, tape his ankles or something, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think I think but, I, but I guess it would be it would be the biggest disgrace because this was all architected by LeBron, right? That's the I mean, oh. there's all these different things where LeBron as the GOAT is dispelled or Jordan gets higher praise or higher credibility as the GOAT for various for a few specific reasons, undoubtedly. One is Everybody's like, well, he didn't architect his team. He never asked for players. He never tried to team up with anybody. LeBron's approach, quite the opposite. And that's always been a knock on him. In this situation, it absolutely didn't work. I mean, even in Miami, it wasn't a a four, not four, not five, not six. They went 50%. You know, they, they won two out of four. So the idea of him being the catalyst and being the GM and not being able to bring home championships, like that's always going to rot. And passing up the ball and not going to the cup against a young kid on the worst team in the league and at least getting the foul to shoot a free throw and win the game questions, is LeBron the guy? Like if he's, if he's deferring to someone else to take the final shot. And that's why Pat Riley, and I was mad when he did it. But that's why Pat Riley gave LeBron these, the deuces. Because LeBron wanted to be making the decisions that shaped the roster. And Pat Riley knew that it took a lot of experience, a lot of mistakes, a lot of growing emotionally to make the right decisions when it comes to personnel. LeBron wasn't ready for it. And Pat Riley gave him this. Like, nah, man. You've done well by us, but I'm making the decisions around here when it comes to personnel. And maybe Pat Riley was right. The Lakers have allowed him to influence who's on that roster. And now we see the bad news bears, the, the broke down bangles. I don't know what we want to call them. The, 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 the old head Oilers, whatever name we want to call them. The West Bricks. <laughs> right. The West Coast, West Bricks, whatever we want to call them, we very well might be calling them a non-playoff team. And LeBron's going to have to wear that. And, and that's the part that I think it gets a little clouded. We absolve him a lot. Um, let's hop in quickly, man, because there's been a bunch of quarterback signings um, in, in this episode of the Ball Hawk Sports Talk, which is going by the name of Las Vegas Knights. Let's talk about some other bets. And this would be a perfect time to pause and ask everyone, like we do every week, humbly, please like, please comment, please share. Please tag a friend, tag a foe, tag anybody that you know, and please subscribe to both our YouTube channel and to the podcast and whatever formats you consume your podcast. Please subscribe. All right. Uh, Now that we got that particular mention out of the way, let's get into some more conversation about Vegas Knights and some other bets that are taking this week. Um, This Ballhawk Sports Talk. Is where ballers and bosses get together to discuss sports, business, entertainment, and there was some business that happened in the NFL this week. The business of the quarterback position was in full stride this week. The business of playing quarterback included Aaron Rodgers finally sort of kind of making a decision, a $200 million decision, and the impact of that You had Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos making a decision. 
to say bye to Seattle and hello to the Broncos. A decision that was also impacted by Aaron Rodgers because they waited until Aaron Rodgers made his decision. And then you had the Washington Commanders, which just still doesn't sound right. Washington Commanders doubling down and they bet on red. When I say red, I mean Carson Winston. They bet on the redhead himself. Uh, I said Winston. Wentz. That's how bad it is for me. Now with him, uh, once considered maybe uh, once in a lifetime, once in a generation quarterback, he's now on his ninth life. And it's going to be played out in Washington. With the quarterback transactions this week, with the teams making big bets when it comes to these quarterbacks, who do we think has made the biggest investment and who's going to get the best return on their investment when it comes to the big checks that were just signed this week? Well, go ahead. The, the, I think the best, the best situation is Denver with Russell Wilson, like, Stack they, stack roster, very stack very roster. And and Denver, like they did it with Peyton Manning. And and Russell Wilson has a lot more miles left on his on his engine than Peyton Manning did when Peyton they Manning was a, just a dude snapping the ball. They that's that what I'm saying. Team. So but but, yeah, but they know. know how to they know how to bring the star in and they know how to get it done. So I'm looking forward to see Denver really it's it's ironic because now they're also going through a sale you know, in the next year or so of the team. So it'll be interesting how it, how it all plays out. But I think the, I think the Packers, I think the Packers made a bad decision. It's hard to not sign Aaron Rodgers, but that roster, what are they going to do with the roster? They have no, they have no more money. You saw what happened to Kansas city. Kansas city can't get over the hump anymore because they can't pay, you know, all the, the rest of the, nah, the rest of the person. They should have won that game. I mean, they've been to the they conference didn't. championship. <laughs> They didn't, but th- that wasn't a roster issue. Kansas City sh- should have been in the Super Bowl. They just they they gave away the church's money. Like they say, boy, giving away the church's money. Uh, in my evangelistic suit, uh, they gave away the church's money, and and but they should have won the game. So I, 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 if you're comparing them to Kansas City, I would say maybe Green Bay made the right decision. Put all your money, put all your money in the middle of the table, and bet on your quarterback because we didn't see a Green Bay didn't get there before they paid them. <laughs> But but maybe that's because he was still reluctant to make that extra play because he didn't have a bag yet. I mean, he's gonna be what he's he signed now till he's what forty two. How old is he? He's thirty eight now. They signed him to a four year thirty eight trillion dollars. Tom Brady changed the game. Thirty eight is a new twenty eight, man. It's true, but Aaron Rodgers been hurt more than Tom Brady. He, Tom Brady was out a season. Aaron Rodgers been in and out, and also t- and yeah, we'll see, man. I just I think it's Tom Brady was a genius. Tom but Brady. I just hope Lamar Jackson gets a big ass check now. Yeah, yeah, huge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the same week, and we need to have this on the lineup. But Lamar Jackson basically said, "There's a black quarterback. The standards are different, uh, and you know sometimes the payouts are different." So I was happy to see Russell West, West Wilson almost changed back. You're gonna to call Westbrook <laughs> Russell Westbrook. <laughs> almost called him Westbrook. Russell, the worst thing is you were chewing on it, and I almost said Westbrook. Like, yeah. to help you finish the word. <laughs> uh, Russell Wilson got his payday. Uh, what do you think? I'll, I'll go to you, Big Flow Show, man. Uh, I had a to, bunch I of quarterbacks to. got paid, man. A bunch of quarterbacks this, got paid. This is more podcasting, but I have to agree with him. I think that uh, Russell Wilson trade is is solid. I think Denver, you know, he's a good quarterback. 
underappreciated of what he's achieved over the years. Uh, I think he's going to go there and he's going to light it up. He's a good guy to have on your organization. He doesn't get in any trouble. He's a positive, you know, influence. Um, and, you know, I'm happy to see Green Bay Packers bet on Aaron Rodgers. So hopefully they don't pay anybody else. And one of these days, the Bears, not that the Bears did anything to help themselves, but maybe the Bears can beat them one of these days. But Here I hate Aaron. Go. I kind of didn't go. want to see him anymore. But if it's a bad decision on their part, then I'm happy for it. Here it is. Every time we're trying to have a good, positive football hey, conversation, Ray. somebody go talk about the hey, Bears. Hey, that cool, refreshing drink. <laughs> Uh-huh. So you believe in the, the, it, that this decision could impact the division positively for all the other teams? I don't know, man. I got to disagree with y'all, man. I think Aaron Rodgers has been the best quarterback in the NFL for as long as as I can remember. Um, and it hasn't translated into Super Bowls, only one. And so I think the standard such that Crazy if you're going to be mentioned with the greats like Joe Montana, then you need you you need to win Super Bowls. And I think that a little uh, carrot to dangle in front of somebody in order to get them to, to, to achieve that objective is to put the money on the table. Now, the Green Bay Packers, I thought, did a poor job of surrounding Aaron Rodgers with talent for the longest. They've, they've done a little bit better. Um, Tom Brady, as you mentioned him, ETP, Tom Brady was a genius because wherever he went, he made sure that the offensive line, not wherever he went, he only left one time, but he was very vocal. The first time he and he also took less money. <laughs> he took less, less money to make sure that the men in front of him could protect him. And the same thing in Tampa Bay. He went somewhere that he knew he was going to be on his feet and not on his butt and on his back. Aaron Rodgers and the injuries that you mentioned – you kind of knew they were going to happen because he was running for his life. They've done better with shoring up their offensive line. I think that this is the right move, and it's almost back pay. He's been underpaid. Aaron Rodgers has been underpaid, and it's almost back pay. Aaron Rodgers is going to go right into a front office job and be a, a, a Green Bay legend, a mistake that they made when it came to Brett Favre. Right? It's a mistake that they made, and I think they're trying to make sure they don't make the same mistake as the organization to have one of the best ever to play the game at the quarterback position. They're, they're making sure that he's at least paid not only for what he can do going forward, but what he has done in the past and been underpaid for doing. And I think it's the right move as a Green Bay organization. Will it translate into another Super Bowl? I don't know. But those are hard to come by. When, 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 when Patrick Mahomes got his $100 million, we thought he was going to win another 12 Super Bowls. Maybe they, they're hard to come by. Super Bowls are hard to come by. Yeah. And so, you know. Even harder right when move. you pay the lion's share to one player and you don't have the funds and the resources. I mean, they increased the salary cap, right? So the salary cap is now 208 So maybe they'll be able to, you know, maintain and uh, secure some talent. But it's gonna be tough. Y'all know I like to play the numbers. But game. the NFC is the NFC is pretty weak now, right? They lost Ru- Russell Wilson's now in the AFC. Tom Brady's gone. You got the you got the Rams still. You, Rams you still, still got still, I mean, but Rams. I mean, they basically mortgaged their entire future for this Super Bowl. So we'll see where they go from here. They would have yeah. stole one of our one of our pieces. No, the that's the Chargers. The Chargers gonna get Khalil Mack. Yeah, the Chargers. Same gonna, difference. Yeah. It's out west. It don't matter. He's not gonna be in the Chicago. Same That's colors. Same, same stuff. Yeah. 
the number, y'all know I believe in the number game, and the number that matters most to me is 153. $153 million is what Aaron Rodgers guaranteed, and it's the reason why when my son gets home from school today, we're going to go and work on our three-step and our five-step drops, baby. The quarterbacks got paid in this episode of Las Vegas Nights. They bet on quarterbacks, and that's how you win. You got to be – this. Uh, listen, if somebody guaranteed me – 153 million dollars before i actually did anything it'd be really hard for me to be motivated to get out of bed with an alarm clock <laughs> i'm like how it you gotta be crazy like you're crazy like hey did you see the exchange it, to, it, you you reminded me of it the exchange with ryan clark and uh antonio brown on i am athlete podcast they're talking about the big brawl that happened ryan clark and aaron uh, or Antonio Brown basically saying, you know, when the fight started, Ryan Clark came in and was like, I knew he was going to change up when y'all paid him that money. And <laughs> a- Antonio Brown has a different perspective, but it's an interesting take on how money, right? When someone's paid, we're talking about it here on this podcast. But in the locker room itself, there's a discussion because decisions are made. When you decide to guarantee somebody $153 million, and then I, th- I think they've already franchised Adams. But but somebody else doesn't get paid when you put all the chips in the middle of the table and bet on a quarterback. That means somebody not going to get paid. And the dynamic within the locker room, how that impacts a team. Now, Green Bay has been notoriously a mature organization, and, and they, they seem to do it right. Uh, but that Antonio Brown and Ryan Clark exchange on the I Am Athlete podcast, it really it, it breaks down that dynamic. Not everybody's happy for you when you get paid because that means money in your pocket is money out of my pocket. And you have you see by way of who they pay and how they pay them, you see the hierarchy on the team. And for the longest, I think the hierarchy has not been consistent with the pay structure in Green Bay. At least now it's consistent. And I think that's going to impact what goes on on the field as well. Yeah, uh, It's just crazy you go from before the season, you're talking about retiring to go host Jeopardy, to making 153 already locked into your, your bank account. I ain't leaving. And now you become a, a Jeopardy category. Basically. You're gonna retire a Green Bay Packer when He's you were gonna retire Green a Green Bay Packer the season before. It's crazy. So you you don't you you two don't like the investment. I'm gonna call it an investment. You like got it. you guys are calling it a gamble. Uh, we shall see, man. I think the, the Green Bay is just as poised as anybody. You still got a division that is just weak. Sorry, but not sorry. Big yeah. flow show. Uh, I mean, where? so you've got, you know, six games. Thanks. You've got six games that are almost they, – they don't, don't go into any of those six games as an underdog. No. Fair? Yeah. In a 17-game season, you got It six... hurts you to admit that. Don't say I think you said guaranteed. Don't say that. I guarantee. Guaranteed. That's, nice. That's right. This is Las Vegas Nights episode, brother. We, we got 209 million capping. to spend to on our, on our cap, too. There... <laughs> we just choose to spend it on money. Say it with your chest. You ain't even saying no bass in your voice. Uh, Come on, man. I'm deflated. Hey, it's man, a... Fields, he got a year under his belt. He's coming back. Maybe so what do you do with love, though, at this point? Like... You just trade him. That, that's your love. Are you happy? Are you love. saying, look, I, I got fresh legs. I can play till I'm 50 because I haven't been tackled since I was in college 10 years the ago. Dog, the dog got excited about trading Jordan Love, but I don't think any other team would. Everybody knows your, your scraps, man. Ain't nobody sitting here waiting on your scraps. 
And I think Jordan Love um, is in a tough spot because we haven't seen a lot of him. And when there were prospects of Aaron Rodgers retiring, then the conversation shifted quickly to to Jordan Love being able to take the baton and run with it. And by all accounts, he was exposed. There are rumors from within the locker room that says he ain't ready. The entire NFL, right, the, the powers that be talking to others, Green Bay folk, and getting the rundown and the lowdown on Jordan Love, it suggests that he ain't ready. He got to be on his second contract, though, right? This is his third year. I don't, no. I don't, I think this is his third year. He's a first Four. rounder. So, you know, you got that extra year. He's a first rounder. Google it. What, what was it? Four, yeah. Fourth, fourth year, probably. I don't know. Either so way, they, he's they, right. Do they re up with him or do they just. No, they're definitely not going to resign early. I mean, he's he's just he he's in a tough spot, right? Uh, I think that's why you had to get the deal done this year with Aaron Rodgers, so you know what we have going forward. And I say hats off to Green Bay for getting it done. I might be alone in that, but, but I say hats off to him. Uh, I mean, I, I congratulate them for being able to keep him. I just true. think they they paid too much money. <laughs> you think they paid too much money for him? Um, this is not Jordan Love's second year. No, he's going into his either going into his third or going into his fourth year. Fourth, it had to be. Yeah. Um, let's talk about quickly, man, NFL Combine, because we, you know, in, in this Las Vegas Knights episode and talking about people gambling, the NFL draft is going to come up. And the handicapping is a largely uh, dependent on what you see, both on film, game film as a collegiate player, but also in the assessments. The NFL Combine was the first uh, well, the second, because you had the all-star game, senior bowl, and the like. And then now the second phase of that assessment process is the NFL combine. Um, the third phase will be the, 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 the pro days at the respective college campuses. But the combine's a big one. It's the pinnacle of assessment. It's where we all go to see who's going to be the next star. Uh, first, <clears throat> I'll ask just a simple question, yes or no. Do you think the NFL combine and the results – therein are good indicators of who is going to succeed in the NFL. Start with you, ETP. Yes or no? Do you think it's a good indicator? It's a, it's a, I think there are indicators, right? There's in terms of the interviews, I'm sure you learn, they learn a lot about the players, you know, in terms of their disposition and situational questioning and all of that in terms of physicality, athleticism, but I don't think it's, I mean, football, depending on the position, it's not about how much you bench press. It's not about how fast you are. They're indicators of of skill and athleticism, but right. not how you're going to perform. And it also doesn't speak to your work ethic and your hunger and anything like that. It's just a pure test of your physical ability and some, you know, mental capacity as well. But so, I mean, based on that, but I will say if somebody runs a 4240, and they need to have that speed. It's it's important, right? Like right. Big Flow Show. You and I have been in that 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 world where we all wanted the the NFL invitation and all that. Now now that we've been removed from it, now that you have um uh just been amazing to remain a Bears fan for so long, depending on seeing how bad y'all are, and you've seen you know whether or not good performance. Can't even hardly say nothing. That's the worst part. I wish I could come back at you, but I'm like all I can say is Cleveland. <laughs> and we getting better. Cleveland getting better. Believe uh, clowns. <laughs> so, would you say that the NFL Combine, the assessments that happen there, 
do they give you a true indication of is, is that going to be a good NFL professional football player? I'm going to say just since I had to go over it, no. I look at it like this. If you – the senior bowl is by far much more important to me. The week of practice, not the game itself, but the week of practice, seeing how you compete against the best, you know, one-on-ones, doing different things of that nature, how you throw the ball, you know, the coverage, picking up new, new schemes and stuff like that. I think it's a much bigger indication. I wish they could just do a report on how many people got discovered in the combine and flew up the ladder and how they did. How many of those people turned out to be a bust? I remember there was a receiver that went, he ran like a 4-2 and they got drafted by the Raiders. Never heard from him. Well, there's a reason why he was running a 4-2 and you hadn't heard who he was. Right. I'm more impressed with the guy that, you know, uh, what's the defensive end that played for uh, Baltimore from Arizona State? Real unattractive. Suggs. Suggs. He ran like a 4-8. <laughs> Real unattractive. <laughs> just for the record, Mr. Suggs, and all of your strength, My name just is know Bobby that Brown. I didn't call you unattractive. Some people call me Arizona LS3. State, but. <laughs> but anyway, he had like 20 sacks his senior year, and he ran a 4-8, so he didn't get drafted. He ran a 4-8 when he got the 20 sacks. I mean, like, so what do we do? We disqualify people because this quarterback from, from Pitt, they say he's got small hands. You loved him a while ago, but suddenly now his hands, the ball still came. Those little hands impressed you enough to think he should be a first-rounder, but now you're going to say he's not a first-rounder because his hands are little? So, like, it's too many people that get credit. You know, all these people ran 4-2. And if you don't know who they are, well, they ran 4-2 last year. You know, this Carson was the West, fastest NFL example. combine ever. By far. I think on the record. machine was messed up. I'm just going record. I think the machine was messed up. You think? But Carson Wentz, you know, here he comes. Where are you going to Wyoming? Carson Wentz went to, no, uh, North Dakota State. North Dakota State. Yeah. With all these measurables, they loved him. They got to be the guy. Now we're starting to wonder. There's a reason why he's at North Dakota State with all these measurables. Did he grow in college? Did something change? You know? It, it just I feel like time and time again that the, the NFL combine disqualifies somebody who turns out to be great or it, it boosts somebody way up the board. You know, they had some guy that uh, I think the Bears picked him. He jumped out of a pool, you know, from a squat position. They thought he was going to be this great guy because he's a freak athlete. Never mm -hmm. did anything. Like, okay, if that's part of the game, jump out of pools. I just people get so impressed at this time of year with with so you don't you don't think season. that you don't think the bet if 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 you're if you're handicapping is largely dependent on what happens in the combine you feel yeah. like it's it's not a good bet um because no. of yeah i mean but the kid malik willis that plays for liberty who's been on everybody's radar i mean he's got a cannon and in the quarterback drills he threw a pass that i'm like yo that's, that's objective though right like that's to me that's different. objective and I guess it's, it's subjective too. It's not because... forty time. It's not hand size. It's not wingspan. It's not vertical jump. It's not broad jump. It's throwing a football. That's what you do in a game. True, but, but all the things you just mentioned, none of them are subjective. Well, let me right? ask you the this: time did, you run is the Liberty. time that you did, run. did he light it up at Liberty? He did. He had big numbers, and he's been on the radar. He's been on the radar. To be fair, but but it's the first time that I saw. I mean, just how big his arm was. I mean, he threw the ball in the air. Like, I, I, I'll mess up the numbers, so I'm not going to just, you know. He, he threw, threw it from the 10-yard line to the 20-yard line. It was a it was a throw and a half, man. It was a big throw. And yeah. I was impressed. I, I mean, I just look at the combine like, it's like you could have the best ingredients. It doesn't mean you're a good cook, right? Like, it kind of yeah. comes down to, like, Very good you can't – you got to put – you got to put everything together, right? You have to have – 
the mental, you know, you have to have the mental aspects. You got to be able to put the speed together with the, you know, with the skills. If, you know, if you're a receiver and you run really fast, but you don't have hands or you don't have the catch radius and you can't run routes and you can't change direction, can't your 40 time is irrelevant. Yeah, All right. So let's get our 40 time rocking, man. Let's move quickly um, because despite you guys making some very good points, we still got to at least deal with what happened in the combine. There was the most impressive performance for you guys. Uh, anybody's come come out and stick out most impressive performance i mean for me we gotta do this yeah you're right it might not translate but but well for me it's the obvious one and it's uh you know jordan davis being six six three forty plus running a four you know in the four sevens but you know it's funny so d lineman from georgia and i remember watching the national championship game and watching it and saying i is this game sped up or is this the fastest front four I've ever seen penetrate you the line of scrimmage? Hit us with the open like it was, it was, it was noticeably faster than any college football game I've ever seen in terms of Facts. the trenches. Facts. And it was, and he was I, I was like, I was like, am I just old? Because this, this looks crazy how fast it is. And then come to find out, you know, this kid comes in and he runs a four seven eight, jumps over ten feet, broad jump. And he's six six, so he's obviously you know moving distance. S- to, to put that in perspective, I don't even know how you put that in perspective. Six six three forty running a four seven is like taking an eighteen wheeler and and beating a Corvette. You know, not maybe not a Corvette, but like a, a Ford Mustang on a drag race, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's how fast that is. It's not the Lamborghini, but that's a that's a power vehicle at four seven. Right, Crazy. Jarvis Landry ran a four eight, the wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns, and he's good, and he's darn good. He can't be covered a lot of times, and to put a man six foot six, three hundred and forty pounds next to him and be able to outrun him is equivalent to literally an eighteen wheeler truck lining up on a drag strip and beating a Ford Mustang. It's not supposed to happen. Six foot six, three hundred and forty pounds should not be able to run a four seven. Now. Certain times, certain certain performances, I think, have to translate. That man, and he had a lot of film to support it, but that man is going to make a lot of money, and, and 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 rightly so, because there's no way you should be able to do that. Any, any other but it's consistent with what he's done, right? Exactly. It has consistent. It has like, you were surprised he was that fast, but right. you're not surprised he was fast. And that's just like, oh, man, maybe yeah. this dude is – he was killing out there. Everything right. shows athleticism, but that's what he showed on the field. So – the rest of their yeah. D line, I think one guy ran a four six, the other guy ran a four five something. So those three are their D line, but for Georgia, they came I, out this year. I, I just want to see him get put on a team that actually exploits that, right? Like drop him into coverage or like oh, use relax. that speed. Relax. Well, why not? Why not? Zone blitz? Why not? He could do it. Drop back. How many D linemen? There's so many D linemen that have, you know, they drop back into special coverages all the time. Even his change of direction was impressive, man. You look at short shoulder, long shoulder. He had some his three cone. He has some some impressive numbers. Anybody else stand out before we move on quickly? I will uh, say there's another D lineman, but this is gonna kind of question it too, because I didn't watch the Hokies this year, Virginia Tech, but Amari Barno, 6'6, 245, ran a 4'37. That's impressive. But the biggest question that comes out of that is that's slim. How, He's how, slim for a D lineman, though, right? Six, six, uh, that's, not, that's new norm for a wide line. That's becoming the norm. That's out. less than that's like Gronkowski, right? Or, but that's my question. Lineman. How bad are this dude's hands? 
<laughs> Imagine how bad your hands have to be to change. Right, because because you that's a tight end. That's a prototype. How many times did they try to throw him the ball before they said, just somebody? <laughs> like, come on over here, son. Play come DA. Because they had to be like, just just could you, could you throw it to an underhand? See if you can. Right. Ah, fuck it. Come over here. Punt it to him. Um <laughs> let, let's get into the other story of the NFL, man, quickly, because it is just gossipy. But Jerry Jones, there's a new lawsuit. Apparently, allegedly, we can go with allegedly. Not apparently. Let's go with allegedly. Allegedly. He's got a, a daughter out there. Um, Jerry, about 25 years ago or so, you know, um, was, you know, he had a different type of Jerry's world. Jerry Jones could be featured on Jerry Springer this week because I don't know if there's a paternity test related to it, but apparently, excuse me, allegedly, um, there's a young lady out there who says that 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 Jerry is the that's my daddy, Maury Povich. That's my daddy, and Jerry paid off the mother years ago, hundreds of thousands of dollars to not say anything. But I guess that money, while going to the mother, didn't necessarily translate to the child's uh, uh confidentiality. And here we are. Uh, and I know that Dan Marino was discovered a few years ago, and he ended up losing a CBS job because he had a, a different uh family. Uh, that his wife didn't know about. Um, I'm only talking about because we have to. Let's get in and out of it because I don't want nobody gossiping about did. me. That's what so, Jerry thought he was doing. My fault. My fault. Too soon. Too soon. Try the veal. <laughs> should we even talk about it? Should we yes. talk about this? Just for a second. Just for a second. What do you think? Uh, Big I Flo just show. think him and Robert Kraft, you know what I'm saying? They just let you know that they can do what they want to do. But uh, only in America can you sue your dad because your mom got paid off some money and you feel like you got shorted from the real cash. You can go sue your dad and say you should have paid my mom more money to trickle down to me. I don't even know how that works. I'd like to see the word of that. But, you know, shame on him for, for fathering children out there. I take being a dad real serious, all jokes aside. Uh, it's it's just unfortunate that it has to play out like this for both for for both of their lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just step up, man. That's all I got. And for his own kids' lives, man, because you know they, they his kids are hearing this story too. Um, and I assume for the first time. So, uh, although you know she might have been sending letters and uh, sending DMs, I'm your sister. I don't know. Um, ETP, you get last word on it before we move into some other topics real quick, man. Lightning round. What do you think about it? Should we even talk about it? Jerry and, and his potential other family or yeah, this other child. I mean, it's hard. It's, it's, it's personal, you know, that's personal business. So I'm not that pressed to talk about it. What I will say is I can't imagine that Jerry Jones lawyers will not steamroll this entire situation maybe they'll pay her off maybe she'll get a little bit of money but the fact that like now her name you know her name's in the public i i wonder if she's really prepared for if this does become a major even more of a major story if she's prepared for what the you know because i mean look cowboys fans are crazy (laughs) so yeah. If 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 she becomes an enemy of the Cowboys somehow because of what this does to Jerry Jones, like I don't know that she recognizes what type of situation she's putting herself in, and maybe she'll get a few hundred grand. I don't. Again, I don't know how the laws work. Like, said how do you sue money. somebody at twenty five for not being your dad? Like, you didn't take me to you didn't take me to you know basketball practice, so I need at least fifty mil. 
She she said it's not for the money. Uh, and but there's a dollar amount. There is a dollar amount because <laughs> well, there's a line. It's not about the money, there. but if you give me, what well, I tried million. to hit save it, the, the field. It was a required field, so I just yeah, yeah I had to put a number <laughs> in there. Uh, but she said it's not motivated by the money. But to your point, that the Cowboys fans are crazy because every year Jerry Jones tells them that this is our year and they believe it. So, but what's the motivation? Uh, Otherwise, he's not going to prison. <laughs> she, he's not going to go. He's not going to go play catch I think with her. She, or... wants, she wants a relationship <laughs> with her dad, man. I don't. So I sue you. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna sue you I... to be my dad. <laughs> Sometimes finances have a way of connecting people. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just. I'm repeating Sorry, what she said. She dad, said not motivated by the You come over for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, in this episode of Las Vegas Nights and the Ball Hog Sports Talk, the crew, we got to talk about Coach K, man. Coach K in his last game, I thought it was wonderful that the, the Carolina Tar Heels upset Coach K in Cameron Indoor. And I was the only one. I watched it at an AAU tournament. And everyone was like, oh, man, I feel sorry for him. He's about to lose in his last game. I laughed. I was like, this is perfect. This That's is exactly this how, is how rivalries <laughs> really take on a whole nother <laughs> life of their own. Like, they, they thought they used to hate Carolina before this game. They're going to really hate Carolina now. Uh, Carolina had no business beating the Tar Heels. And they beat them. They didn't beat the brakes off of them, but they beat them handily. What do you, uh, they made all the shots. Uh, and the two most dangerous groups of people in the world. Uh, uh, the first group is, is someone's got everything to lose, and the second group is someone's got nothing to lose. The Tar Heels had nothing to lose in that game against the Blue Devils of Cameron Indoor, and they played like it. Uh, and unfortunately, the uh, Duke Blue Devils, great team, are uh, probably get a one seed. At, they're not going any lower than a two seed in the in, in the NCAA tournament, but they played like they had everything to lose. They played tight. They played tense. They're in front of uh, all the the Duke greats and legends and. I mean, the 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 ticket prices got up to like $80,000 for one ticket to go see this game. And you look at all of the money that's into NCAA basketball, and that's a whole different conversation. $80,000 for one ticket? Yeah, that's that was that's the one thing I thought when they lost. I'm like, damn, somebody paid 80 grand to watch their team lose <laughs> badly. But it wasn't even all Duke fans. I mean, eighty thousand was going for. It was a who's who among celebrities too. It yeah, was but almost, who paid eighty grand? They paid eighty grand to see the Tar Heels play. No, they like, paid eighty thousand to just be in the arena. Right, but who Coach would K, who would pay that money? Somebody that wants to see Coach K coach's team, right? I have. I can't imagine somebody paid eighty grand because they they're watch Huber, lose, you never know. Davis fan. Yeah, well, yeah, because if you wanted them to lose. You you are thinking that there's no chance they're gonna to lose to North Carolina today. Although I got a I got a question to AD. He had all year to get Mercer or somebody like that to be the last game. She she, but that's every year. She. That's every year. Their AD, their athletic director, uh, they moved on from Kevin White and they've got Nina. I can't think of her last name, but she's my classmate at Notre Dame. They've got a a young black female who is their athletic yep. director. Shout she out. She should have got some young. Now, they do that every year, though. Every year, Carolina is the last game. They do that every year. Well, what, do you, what do you think practice was like the next day? <laughs> and practice? Duke, you talking about practice? Like what? Coach, like it's Coach K is like this is the last time I'm gonna coach you all. Coach K, you just this, you just ruined my day. I had a hundred old players that yeah. brought me national championships, and you guys can't beat an unranked North Carolina Tar Heel team with a rookie coach. Who we just beat by 30. You're running for six weeks. <laughs> Look, and, and afterwards he apologized to the fans for losing, but they had this whole ceremony set up, and he was gracious. 
Um, but you look at Coach K's run at Duke, and while this is, um, you know, a bad week, you know, to have lost to Carolina, he had such a great career, man. So shout out to Coach K. Shout out to all the players that played for him. While we all, and I say we, I think I can attest for all three. Well, I'll just say for me, we hate Duke, man, and everything it represents, Duke basketball. You can speak for me on that. Yeah, but <laughs> but we respect it, right? We hate yeah. it, but we respect it. And Coach K is, is, is the biggest catalyst behind what uh, Duke basketball uh, has become. Uh, and I think he also is an example of if you give a coach an opportunity, because he came from Army when he was like 20-something years old. If you give a, a good young coach an opportunity, look at what they can do with it. And I hope, um, not to make it about black and white, but to make it about black and white, I hope young black coaches get that same opportunity, man, because he did wonderful things with that program. And uh, shout out to him and a great career, uh, Coach K. But I'm, I'm kind of happy North Carolina spoiled your, your last your last hurrah. Uh, let's go with primetime, man, quickly. Uh, Dion, primetime. Uh, not only does he cover... Uh, the rest of the world, right? They say water covers 75%. Dion covers the rest of the world. Uh, and he did so on what we found out to be two really bad toes he amputated this week. Um, and I'll leave that there because that's a real disgusting uh, image. But he also, in the, um, uh, I can't think of the name of the, the podcast, but on a podcast this week, he, he said simply that the transfer portal in college football has made it such that it's just free agency. And I know Big Flow Show, you've mentioned this, but to hear someone like Dion and all his prominence, he basically was like, look, college coaches now are only going to sign like five or six kids because they want to maintain a certain number of available scholarships for when that disgruntled player from filling the blank with any power five school, when that disgruntled player from that school is ready to transfer, why wouldn't we want to have an offer for them ready, a scholarship ready, because now we have a polished uh, seasoned player versus going uh, out and signing 20-something prep high school players that don't know nothing from nothing. They still got milk running their mouth, Similac on their breath. I don't want that. I want a player that's had, that's been through a few things, that's been through a few uh, spring, uh, spring football seasons. I want that player to take the, the scholarship. And, 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 and as such, it has become free agency. I thought very powerful and didn't get a lot of attention in a crazy week because we still got to get to, we're going to get out of here and we got an MLB lockout and you got Brittany Griner, but, but lightning round, what did you guys think of it? Is it, it, does he have a point? He said, the only thing that he feels as though can regulate this is the NCAA forces teams to use a certain number of scholarships every year on high school players. Uh, what say you? They had tried to limit the transfer portal. I don't know if that went away, but they were trying to say that you can only get five a class or something like that. They made I think that's what they're going to do is as opposed to forcing the high school, just they're going to have to tighten up the transfer portal on how many guys you can get transferred. You know, you look at a, a situation like um, uh, the coach that transferred from uh, the left from uh, Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma to USC. He took all his recruits and he took his, his current players with him. It was so easy to do it. He they're gonna find all and went home. Yes, so you know, this is a good old boy network, so they're gonna find a way to protect the good old boys and say, All right, well, if you leave, you can only take like three dudes with you. You know, what I mean, there's gonna be some sort of some sort of rule in there that's gonna prohibit some of the transfer stuff because it is becoming so free agent and it is gonna kill the high school athlete. Now, there's still gonna be programs out there that they want to build up and they go through that way, just like some people go through the draft, some NFL teams go through free agency, same with the NBA. I think you're gonna get a lot of that. 
But when you get that coach that's tried this early in his career, that's trying to win now so he'll get the next job, that dude's going to be all transfer portal all day long. He's just going to try to pick up these pieces. And that's that's where it's going to really kill a high school athlete. Like, you know, Diaz said he only had five or six. Eastern Michigan, at the early signing period, I saw they only had five kids. You know, that coach is thinking to get up out of there. He's just trying to sign a few kids and get out of there. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, uh, ETP, and, and, and I'll say this, Big Flow Show, when it comes to Lincoln Riley and him going to the USC, that's the one situation where I'm fine with it because the player decided to go to Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley was a large part of that decision. From from that standpoint, I'm okay with it. If your coach goes somewhere else and you want to bounce because you, you're, you're, you're wed to the coach and not necessarily the university, I understand that a little bit more than I do just a, a blank check, which a lot of these colleges have now. And using it, whether uh, proactively or reactively, because I think that a lot of players are in the transfer portal because they get the nudge from the coach. Like, hey, man, it's time. time to go. It's time to go. Yeah. And so that that's I have more of an issue with with that scenario, not not a coach changing teams. Uh, ETP, you get final word on it before we go home on something different. What do you got? Yeah, uh, transfer it, portal is now free agency. What say you? Yeah, it, it's just crazy that the the predictability of your roster is greater in the pros now than at the college ranks, right? The coaching staff are changing. The players are moving around. Like it's a, it's a very hard reality. The idea that, I mean, the fact that you have to actually even continue to recruit people that are already on your team, you know, if, if you have a, a linebacker who's not happy with them, you know, the amount of snaps or the, the play calling, they could, you know, head over to the, you know, to another conference or whatever, and you still got to keep them interested. Just from a recruiting standpoint, a, a retention piece that was never part of the conversation. You were ha- you were happy to be there. Now these teams have to like make sure that the active players are happy enough to stay. Like, that's a whole other layer of responsibility that just makes it even that much harder. But it's good because now the players can get what they need, you know, most of the time, right? If there's a player that that really is a bad fit, they can look somewhere else. And and a lot of time, I mean, coaches and organizations and systems kind of make or break people's careers, and this opens it up for them. But it is free agency; it's chaotic, but there's benefits and there's also detriment to it. Yes. All right. Well, um, uh, thirty-second MLB lockout. Um, it looks like they are going to go to play. They're still going to have the requisite number of games. Um, is that a win for the the league or a win for the players? I'll start with you, ETP. This this whole back and forth that basically resulted in a I'll call it a stalemate or whatever. I I, I got to look at what they agree upon. But is it a win for the players or a win for the league? I mean, it's a, it's terrible that it it dragged out, but it's. I mean, I guess it's good for the league because they're back in business, and this is gonna be, aside from there potentially being a world war, actively, <laughs> it's gonna be the first real you know normal summer we've had in in a couple years. So to be able to go out to a baseball game, you know, they they still need to correct and improve a lot of the things with the game to continue to grow it that was the big issue was you know owners were, were cutting into salaries because of you know the lack of growth of the game so they they're these traditionalists and these purists it's good that they've been able to agree but i think you know it's it's just indicative that they continue to stifle the growth of the game and they're not making changes but you know the idea that they're 
you know, they're willing to outlaw the shift and make the bases bigger to make it more, you know, harder to start, easier to steal bases because all of the things that, that have basically made the game, you know, not as appealing to the spectator. It's good that they're arguing about them. I just don't know how much it's actually going to, you know, tip the scale to, you know, make it America's pastime again because it's yeah. it's generally, you know, boring to the, you know, to the spectator. Big flow show who wins, the league or the players, or do they both lose here? I mean, the fact that the players are playing and getting paid or whatever, I think that, that you know, they win in that situation. Uh, I think but everybody wins when you think about the fact that, you know, you avert the strike, right? That doesn't help. The strike doesn't help anybody in the long run. Um, I think that uh, uh, Ellis hit some good points. It's like, you know, the, the problem is really just the game of baseball is is people aren't really as interested as they were, before. you know, back in the day. It's kind of boring. You know, you can watch the game on the radio and, and get the same action as watching it on TV. So, at the end of the day, it's a boring game. They had to find either steroids or juice the ball or juice the bats or something to keep it exciting. Now they clean that up. They now now they're trying to make bases bigger and trying to do different things there. Next thing you know, they're going to be doing a 16 inch softball so they can hit you know ball easier. I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm not a big baseball fan. It's just I find the game boring. Uh, so uh, I think I'm a loser in that situation because now I got to watch baseball. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, uh, a great perspective. Uh, I think that they they, they both uh, win here because, like you said, the Big Flow Show and TTP, we're gonna we're gonna be watching baseball. Uh, I, I'm gonna start trying to watch more of it. My son, because of uh, the school requirement, they have a class called sport. They gotta choose a a sport in the spring, and he's playing baseball for the first time. Never played before, you know. And and it'll be interesting to go to a game. Maybe I'll get more into it. I'm trying just because. For the people, y'all, for the people, for the ball hog sports talk faithful. I'm trying to get more into baseball. I promise y'all I'm trying to, man. But man, I, I sometimes I'll be wanting to just watch for, for aspiring dishes. for aspiring young athletes. <laughs> they've got the best union, as you can see. They do, they do. <laughs> and they and their their pay is guaranteed. All right. Uh, I know that we're gonna say goodbye to the big flow show. Any parting words before ETP and I finish in the last segment? We're gonna let you go here. Any parting shots before you get out of here, my brother? No, you guys have a good weekend. Get to see my son tomorrow in uh, spring ball practice. Got his Shut first up. touchdown yes, in got practice. His first, first touchdown in practice. You know, I'll probably watch it at least 50, 11 times. Uh, somebody found it for me on IG. Shout out to my man, D.I. Mitchell, for uh, pointing it out on, on Instagram because you'll know if you don't have uh, college-age kids, he don't tell me nothing. So right. I said, how was practice? He said it was fine. I didn't know you scored. And they put it on Instagram. So anyway, happy about that. So – uh, look forward to next week talking about March Madness and everything like that. Look at the conference championships this weekend. So and, take care, and, enjoy your weekend, my brother. Enjoy the time with your son, man, and tell him that he's got the biggest fan club in the world right here at the Ball Hawk Sports Talk. We'll be watching closely, man. Appreciate your contributions as always, my brother. I appreciate you. All right. Now, we got to go home with this. And now, and then there were two. Uh, the ball hawk sports talk with my man uh etpl is the producer we said we, we said goodbye to uh the big flow show because it, it all centers around this last topic Brittany griner detained in russia for hashish oils which seems like she must have had a vape pen or something uh but it was uh considered illegal and I, I just, you know, there's an article that I that I shared with you guys and you know she was the 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 she got second in MVP voting this year. And if you just replace Brittany Griner with the person who got second in the MVP 
race for any other major sport in the U.S. All right. Um, let's go with with basketball. Right. I don't know who got second MVP last year, but probably maybe LeBron was second. Um, or up there, Giannis. Giannis. Uh, who won it last year? Actually, who won MVP last Joker. year? Joker. Joker won. It. So Giannis probably was second. Uh, or or or, or, or oh, let's go easy. NFL. NFL was probably what Tom Brady was second. Mm-hmm. Uh, NHL. It doesn't matter which sport. MLB. The the person that was second and the M, the MVP running. Or it's called Cy Young or Golden Glove, whatever they were second in. That's a prominent name. Brittany Griner, when it's all said and done, will be top 10 ever to play the women's basketball game. Safe to say. Easy. NCAA not even, not champ. Even a question. Naismith player of the year. Uh, WNBA champ. Right, she's got a lot of years left. Probably gonna be a, a MVP at some point in the WNBA. Olympic gold medalist. Olympic gold medalist, and yet it's almost been mums the word when it comes to Brittany Griner being detained in Russia, a place that is now in the throes of the most uh, divided and hotly contested world situation on the globe right now. And yet we're barely talking about it. So we, we've talked here about, you know, when it comes to, 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 to uh, equal pay, gender equity. We've talked here about the WNBA and how the game itself, I'm a big fan of. But from a business perspective, there are a lot of, of, of misogynistic differences when it comes to how we treat the NBA and W. We've talked here about it. But I don't think there's any better example than this. This, you know... <laughs> There's a few reasons why this is a crazy example, right? So she's only in Russia because she doesn't get paid enough by the WNBA. <laughs> right. Like she's un- in Russia because she plays overseas when the WNBA season is over. She gets paid more to be in Russia. She's a superstar in Russia. That's where Considerably she- Considerably more. Do you that's think, do, do you think that's money. why the WNBA is sort of- they haven't been hush hush about this, but this is a marquee player for your league. Yeah, and you're right. She's only in Russia because your yeah. league pays, you know, insurance salesman money, and she wants to be paid paid professional athlete money. So she's got to supplement what she gets paid in the WNBA to go over to what is yeah. the top international women's league outside of the WNBA in Russia and get paid fairly. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then the the irony of it is, you know, just a week removed, the New York Liberty are fined and potentially banned from the league because they are trying to charter flights for their players. How dare they? How dare they treat their players with some lap of luxury amenities? And then, and then they also offered to say, okay, it's a competitive advantage if we only offer uh, our team charter flights. So we're gonna get free chartered flights for the entire league. And the league said, no, everybody's got to fly, you know, economy (laughs) by the bathroom, what have you. But, but that, that's the thing, ironically, you know, she's going through, 
you know, airport security. She gets caught with a couple, you know, vape pens. And now they're charging her with large scale drug trafficking. Could be looking at 10 years. So to now have her be a bargaining chip in what is, you know, potentially one of the, you know, could turn into one of the biggest kind of international conflicts in a very long time. But yet there's not a whole lot happening on this side. It seems, I mean, when we first found out about it, she was detained for, I think, three weeks already. She had already been detained. That blew my mind. Three weeks. Like, we haven't heard about this. <laughs> we haven't heard about this. Like, if you if you substitute the, the name Brittany Griner and just try to keep it at least fair when it comes to the impact that that particular athlete has on their sport, you're, you're literally talking about Giannis or LeBron or or, or – or Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, like you, you, you're talking about the best players, right? Right, of like all time, the, of all time, of all time. And for us to be barely talking about this is crazy. But but the fact that nothing has been done yet is even crazier. I feel as though if that if you substitute that with LeBron James, there are going to be there would have been people that 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 figured out how to get over there themselves and tried to get him rescued. There would have been fans that would, like like Adam Silver would have called a few people and they would have been on a flight over there armed and ready. I We're mean, Le- LiAngelo Le- Ball <laughs> got out of China <laughs> faster than Brittany Griner. It the is, UCLA, it three UCLA men's basketball players got out of China for shoplifting faster than Brittany Griner. For having a, a vape pen. So for those who, 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 whether you heard here on the Ball Hawk Sports Talk, a conversation about we've got to really, we got to dive into the, the, the inequities when it comes to men versus women's sports. There's a misogynistic approach to business that permeates sport. And since we talk sports, business, entertainment here, how dare we not highlight it in a way that at least in order to come up with a solution, you got to admit that there's a problem. There's no way to avoid this. There's no way to escape this. Brittany Griner still being in Russia, which right now is involved in an international conflict, right? You got NATO forces basically on standby. For Brittany Griner to still be in that region of the world under these circumstances is, I think, maybe the best example of how misogynistic we approach sport in this country still. Brittany Griner will go down as one of the greatest women's basketball players to ever lace up a pair of shoes. And we're barely talking about it this week. Yes, there have been Congress people that are trying to work out uh, her release. And when Congress gets involved, you know that there's a level of uh, secrecy that that in terms of the negotiation. But that that shouldn't stop the conversations in sports world. How are we not talking about this more? How is this not on ESPN every single day? This is, should be the sports story of all sports stories, and yet we're barely talking about it. And to me, that says, you know, uh, as a proud brother brother to three sisters, as someone who's seen, uh, I really like the WNBA. I, I, I have, you know, friends that went on to do prominent things in, in sports, women that went on to do prominent things in sports, my wife was a, 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 a Division I college athlete that did prominent thing in sports. 
and, and, and I use her as an example to my own sons in terms of work ethic and what you can get out of a sport. Uh, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to see how Brittany Griner's story is a back page story. And she's in freaking Russia. It, it's a bit of an embarrassment. I'll let you get last word before we go home for the day. Free Brittany Griner, baby. <laughs> Free Brittany. Free Brittany. We had we had shirts that said "Free Britney" talking about Britney Spears, and and it was more about you know her access to her accounts. People were more up in arms about that than we are about Britney Griner, who is being detained and treated as a criminal in a country that has been notorious for its its its, its lack of of humanity when it in terms of treating people. Brittany Griner stuck there when we're on the, the brink of potentially World War III and we're barely talking about it. So yes, free Brittany, and I mean Griner, not Spears, because that is real detainment. And she's in a real bad situation. And it's time that we start calling a, a spade a spade when it comes to how we cover these stories. And it feels very misogynistic that the Brittany Griner story is not the story in sports. When we have a, a undeniable uh, sports superstar, celebrity, well-accomplished athlete at the top of her game, in her prime, detained in Russia, and we're barely talking about it. It's crazy. Free Britney. Uh, and we'll we'll leave it there on this Vegas Nights. Any, any parting shots before we get out of here for the day, ETP? Enjoy your weekend. Good to be back. Good to be back after two weeks. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Indeed. Watching. Indeed. All right, y'all. Uh, for those of you who are new, uh, we appreciate you joining the journey. We appreciate you putting your seatbelt on and enjoying the bumpy ride that is the Ball Hog Sports Talk on every single Friday morning. Uh, despite that we took a hiatus last week because of my Las Vegas nights, I, I own that. I, I, I'm not going to hide away from the fact that we, we skipped a week, uh, but we promise not to do it again. We talked about how a lot of the sports organizations are all in. They're betting on a particular person. They're betting on a particular strategy. And we will see whether or not the return on investments do pay off. We talked about Calvin Ridley and his airport betting. And whether or not um, sports betting and it being legalized is going to impact the, the, the professional sports going forward. Uh, something as simple as, as, as uh, fantasy uh, sports uh, has an element of risk and an element of gambling into it. So in this new frontier, we'll see how this plays out. Uh, it has been a very, very interesting week of sports. We saw the Brooklyn Nets and the uh, and the 76ers play uh, last night, which, which could be foreshadowing for the NBA playoffs. Uh, we shall see. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks got paid, and I'm talking about paid. Uh, but for me, the story that sticks out the most is Brittany Griner. Make sure that you say her name loud and proud. Make sure that you do not uh, partake in what I would say is a, is a silencing of an international story. One of our athletes, one of our, our greats in a particular sport, we should be talking about this at every barbershop. We should be talking about it anytime and anywhere we can because we got to make sure that we free Brittany Griner and get her home. Uh, do I agree with the uh, her decisions? No. But people made stupid decisions a lot. Uh, it doesn't it, 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 it should not come at the risk of being detained in a country that's so volatile. Uh, with a leader that has shown uh, by way of what is happening in Ukraine that, that 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 he'll do anything. So 
let's make sure that we we talk about the story and get her home um because here on the ball hog sports talk whether it be our, our men in terms of athletes or our women uh, we treat us all the same so we want to make sure that all of us say this loud free britney griner and with that this has been the Vegas Knights episode of the Ball Hawk Sports Talk, where sports, business, and entertainment collide. It's where ballers and bosses get together, baby, and let's talk about some sports, business, and entertainment. We only know one way to do it, and that's rough, rugged, and raw. We appreciate your support. Please like, please comment, please share. Tag a friend, tag a foe, tag anybody that you know here in my Vegas Knights jacket, and make sure that you subscribe in YouTube and in your podcast space. And with that, we is. Out. Peace.